Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If every talk radio program were the same, what would be the point? The Michael Berry Show is a little bit different. We're going to talk about politics, but we'll also talk about how great it is to live in Texas. Weekdays, 5 to 7 on Talk 1370. It's the Michael Berry Show. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill. Les Kaiser and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. <laughs> Thank you for the sound That's effect. That's me going up. Oh, Rouge. Flat out. Flat out. Flat out like the... Only one way to go. Like the Formula One season is from this point on, flat out coming to Austin, Texas? Yeah, pretty much. And I'll tell you what, we're going to have a doozy, as you say here, because I think this championship is opening wide open now. Well, we're going to talk about your predictions at the beginning of this season. <laughs> they're, they're holding pretty good, buddy. I, uh, I I can't wait to talk about that because you were okay. almost right. This is John Massengill. That's Jonathan Green. And Les Kaiser's got the night off, hanging with the family tonight. And I want to talk about anybody out there in uh, in Texas that's having trouble with the floods. Uh, you know, we really are thinking about you. And, and Austin has been hit pretty hard, too, but not like Houston. It's crazy out there. Yeah, uh, my uh, we're, 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 we're getting it pretty bad here. But uh, my uh, heart goes out to those struggling with uh, this storm at the moment. And it is affecting a lot of people. So anybody listening in the Houston area, we wish you well. And stay out, stay on, stay on, in those ca- <laughs> kayaks because I know there's a lot of people floating around downtown. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, uh, let's talk about some Formula One and some MotoGP and more because uh, we're going to talk both of those. We also have Michael Cooper who's coming on the show here in about a half hour live to talk about the Pirelli World Challenge. This coming weekend in Austin, Texas at Circuit of the Americas. That's going to yeah, be an awesome event. We're, we're racing again in Elroy. <laughs> and he's going to talk about coming to Austin and what's going on with him. He's a factory Cadillac driver, so it's going to be awesome to talk to him. And uh, we've also we've got a bunch of clips from the Formula One team, some clips from the MotoGP guys. And we also have a Brendan Leach, an interview that you did with him, Jonathan. So we're going to – he's uh, – He's been a, a friend of the show, and we got a, some interview with him. We got, um, and so let's but let's go ahead and jump in. Let's talk about Formula One because it was fantastic to get Formula One back after the break. That break is still hard for me to get used to. <laughs> I love the fact that they call it a break. There's plenty of other stuff going. I don't stop. There's a <laughs> summer break. When there's plenty of racing going. No, I know what you mean. It's a long earned. I tell you what, the Formula One guys and having been on the full season before now, um, it really is a break, and you need it <laughs> by August. I can assure you. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the race today was uh, in Spa. It was fantastic because obviously Spa that that track. I mean, Eau Rouge by itself, that is just such an iconic, amazing thing to watch. Every year, you just look at them going, how can these guys do this? Just foot to the floor and blast through that corner. It's just yeah, incredible. It, it is. Uh, it's 180 miles an hour. It's flat out. The Gs from left to right, both lateral, uh, plus the going up the hill, 17-degree uh, rise from bottom to top. Um, it, it is, uh, to be honest, it's still my favorite track. Or as Mark Webber once said, you feel like you're going somewhere at Spa. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this year, of course, with the G-forces on the cars yeah. even higher, Spa, that's just, 
it's just a stratospheric uh, accomplishment to go through there like that. Yeah, and it's also a special place if you're Belgium or Dutch, actually. It's surprising. Um, you don't think about it as being a Dutch favourite, but it's the actually the nearest track um, to Holland in terms of uh, Formula One. So droves of Verstappen fans were there, as they would be, uh, as they were for his father. I never forget uh, actually coming out of the Spa circuit with Jos Verstappen, and we drove... I did an interview while he drove or tried to drive out of the track, but he was swarmed by fans, um, such as the popularity of Dutch drivers, um, you know, in, uh, in the great spa circuit. Well, obviously, Lewis Hamilton came out on top today and Sebastian Vettel right behind him. But let's go ahead and talk about Max Verstappen because it was early in the race. It's early in the show. Like, Verstappen seems to quit or end up not quitting, but end up... Uh, out of the race early in the race every time six out of the first 12 races and it's starting to be a problem because we all and there's nobody under any illusion i don't think how good this kid is uh ricardo is damn good right and he is basically showing him a clean set of heels when the car's reliable and when he doesn't have problems as you know yos his father i just mentioned who effectively his mentor his manager whatever but has been there done that got the t-shirt and he is pushing for yos to be in the best possible seat he also is very much aware that if you have a career and we can bring up mr fernando alonso at this point um, but if you have a career in formula one you've got to be in the best car you possibly can be in and that's how you win titles um and that's why vettel uh, you know has won as many his ha he has hamilton's decision to go to mercedes at the right time was the perfect decision um and i think that there's pressure now on red bull um, to find a reliability issue for Max, or could he be going somewhere else? Oh, I mean, that's the obvious thing. And But it is pretty amazing because Ricardo has not had a lot of reliability problems. And no. Max, it's like all of the team's reliability problems have been on one side, in one side of the garage. Yes, and and I think that is unfortunate. And I think it's a, it's a hard argument for... Uh, anybody involved with Max Verstappen to say that he should be in another team or that he should be vying for Botas's seat, which is the obvious place because everybody wants that seat. Um, and I don't think that, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how much and how far Max will get with trying to get into a, a, a more competitive team. And that seat with Botas, it's not secured yet. That's the, the other the, story for yeah. me, yeah. Um, I'm. Uh, it's funny, actually. Match, it's summed up. Um, my feelings about it, which is I really like the guy, and I do because I've known him for a while, uh, and he's an, he's an, he's a bit like Robert Kubica. He got that break when nobody, everybody knew he had the talent, but he didn't have the big backing and the big money to go all the way, but he was noticed at Formula 3, and he was vaunted into Formula 1, and, you know, Williams is a great place, uh, you know, for someone like him, but now he's got the break, uh, and he knows, he knows, like, again, he knows how finite this opportunity is and how much everybody's queuing up for that, that drive alongside Hamilton, which is a poison chalice because there's no question that Hamilton's one of the greatest drivers in the world. But with that drive goes the greatest car and the most reliable car at the moment in Formula One. So that's yeah. the car you want. And, you know, everybody talks, NBC was talking about that same thing today. We're <laughs> talking about that his Max Verstappen's talent, it, it's just obviously that everybody thinks he's, one of the best and, and could potentially be one of the best ever. And they talk about every race missed opportunity could affect his long term, you know, because he's he's so young. He could have so many races, behind, you know, under his belt, so many wins. And that was what they're talking about. But let's let's hear from Max Verstappen. Let's hear this play this clip with him. 
I just can't believe that it keeps happening, you know, and the sixth time this year is a 50% uh, retirement. You know, it's it's unbelievable. You know, I, like I said on the radio, I just can't believe that those things happen. And of course, in the beginning, you say, ah, maybe it's bad luck and uh, whatever. I'm actually competing against Fernando in terms of retirements. You know, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, not happy at all. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, there's a bit of a dig there. Look, here's the truth. He's a kid. Mm-hmm. He's right. a really talented kid, but he is a kid. He's still a kid, right. And um, at the end of the day, he'll get his day, and, and I think he's already done enough to prove that he, if you if you're looking at the market of Formula One drivers and kids, and I'm, I'm including Ocon and a few others up and coming, Magnussen and so on, I think he's shown, he's shone uh, way higher than his peers, plus those slightly older than him. Um, and I think, you know, when it, if it becomes, a, a, you know, a problem... In other words, I know he wants the, the, the key to the door right now. The he golden wants it now key. because he's a kid. Yeah, <laughs> but also you're right in what you say, which is could he, you know, could the record books be changing? Um, but it's when you go. The rules change. People have different... Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen at Red Bull. Um, we really don't. And I really don't think that Red Bull are ready to give up the ghost. I actually think they have been rejuvenated by a Renault engine and a Renault team, factory team, that are on the up and up. And I think um, that's an important factor. Um, you know, another good result for the Renault factory team today. And clearly, Renault were hit hard by Red Bull last year, um, you know, for, for not performing. And I think uh, in the last few years, and I think, you know, I think they have turned things around. So it, it's interesting. All right. Well, I want to switch to, we're going to get to the winners, winner of the race and the top tier, but I'm going to talk about uh, Fernando Alonso because yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's just astounding what, you know, what he's going through this season. And obviously we've talked this to death, whether what he's going to do at the end of the season but I want to start by playing the clip from Fernando Alonso because I want to get your take on what he said and what he means by what he's saying. So let's hear from Fernando Alonso. It was a, a difficult race. Obviously, we had um, an issue now with the engine, which uh, we had to to retire. But uh, we were a little bit less competitive than in qualifying. Uh, now in the race stream, so I think we need to to try to improve for next weekend. You're a two-time world champion. You're out on track, and you're getting passed like you're in a Formula Two car. How much longer can you put up with this? Uh, seven or eight more races, no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I tell you what, it's an interesting relationship between both Buxton and Fernando. I don't know whether Will ha- has a good friendship with him, and, and he has a good friendship with most of them. He's a good guy. Um, but he, he's been asking that question of Fernando all season long, yep. as I have on this show. I don't get that. And yeah. I asked him when I saw Fernando at the 500, or at least I, I, I gleaned enough in my questions in his press conferences how much he was enjoying being at the Indy 500. And I think what, Buxton's going down the same run, which is how long can you put up with this? You're better than this. And, and you know, and, and everybody yeah. knows it, but, you know, he's being a little bit, you know, coy, if that's the right yeah. word. Um, what was your question? Well, I was just right before the break, the the, the break hit, the, uh, looked like that Honda had some, Honda McLaren had some momentum. The Honda engine was yep. doing good. They got the fastest lap. Yeah, they had the fastest lap. It looked, looked like they had some momentum. And I thought, you know, if they do well for the rest of the season, he might stay. But, I mean, this was a disaster today. And really, I was my question was really, what do we think is going to happen? But I know that's so speculative. Anything can happen. Here's the thing. 
Um, let's let's take it in two chunks. One, McLaren. Two, Fernando. Let's take McLaren. Their struggle is uh, twofold. One, they either find a new uh, engine supplier, and that is a pretty tough ask because yeah. their choices are limited to pretty much Ferrari. <laughs> well, can, can they find well, one? Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's contractual. That's really where else. I'm going, yeah. yeah. Uh, for, for Renault really is probably their only potential option. Other option, right. And I'm not so sure the other Renault teams, including the factory team, would want McLaren to come back with state-of-the-art latest McLaren because McLaren won't have anything else. There's no point. They may as well go around in circles, you know, back again because they're going, if they're going to get a customer engine, then they're not. They're going to get a second class yep. to the, all the other Renault engines. So Renault's not an option. Ferrari's not an option because that's their biggest, you know, that, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Mercedes, likewise, have got uh, customers out there and again you know it's um it really is quite interesting anyway that's mclaren's problem um the other thing for mclaren though and that's option two is that they've been working with a guy i know uh, and americans will know well which is mario Ilian from ilmore um he and in fact famous a, engine manufacturer a IndyCar famous, and everything else yeah. yeah yeah and more importantly ironically um the guy responsible for mclaren mercedes's dominance back in the day mm -hmm. um they basically prepared the mercedes engines that were in the mclaren um at ilmore in in england uh, and they are saying that there's been a lot of work between the two factories effectively between honda and uh, and ilmore again and that could be the key that keeps um, Fernando in place. Now, turn to a Fernando for a second. Um, what are his options? Not many. Again. Yeah. Um, could he get a, a place at Renault? Uh, a place that he started at, effectively, uh, and replace Julian Palmer? Possibly. But is but that good enough? would he take enough? that? Right. Would exactly. he take that? Um, other than that, um, there's not a lot of places he could go. Um, could he replace Botas at... Uh, Mercedes, yeah, uh, but would Hamilton with four world titles probably by the end of leaving Austin yeah. want that? No, and we remember last time they came together, it didn't work out too well. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think that's going to happen either. Would he go to Indy? I'd like to see it, um, and I'd like to see it for him because I think it's good for the sport. Uh, he is the best driver or at least one of the top three drivers in Formula One. I think he's the best because he's the most versatile. And in fact, what he's done in that McLaren, um, you know, it has been incredible. I mean, you know, just the story of qualifying where he's flat out and the car didn't even know he was... <laughs> How good he, he was. was. That's right. The car, said he can't, the car said he can't be that you good. You can't be that quick. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be flat out through that corner. There's no way. There's that, no way, but I am. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Well, guys, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Haas team because they've had a fantastic start to the after the break. And we're going to talk about Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel and Daniel Ricciardo and the rest. Listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. 
Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. Ducati Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. On air, online, and on your smart device, Talk 1370 is the right choice. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome you never get tired of that. Yeah, you can't get tired of Mario Andretti bringing us back. So we were talking about Formula One when we left, and I'm going to continue. I want to I talk about Lewis Hamilton because, obviously, yep. he won the race, and that battle between he and Vettel was awesome right there at the end because, uh, I, in fact, let's play the clip from Lewis Hamilton because he talks about the strategy that he had coming out of the safety car with Vettel right on his tail. Let's hear from Lewis Hamilton. It really took a lot in, the, in that last section to, to keep the Ferrari behind. They had the better tire, it warms up faster, so it was very, very close in the initial phase. So I had to play some small tactics when he got close into out of turn one, like down the hill. I have to let off the gas a little bit just to keep him because he doesn't want to overtake me before Orouge because he knows I'll pass him again. But I also he, 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 the goal is to be a, you know a couple of car lengths behind so you can tow and gain that rhythm. And he, I stopped him from having that. So when we got to the top of the hill, he pulled out, and we were alongside each other like this. Um, so fortunately that worked. Um, so it was a bit about t tactics today, but the Ferrari were faster. Interesting. <laughs> Ferrari were faster. Yeah, and also I think that's again uh, you just heard in that little clip uh, why why Spa is supposed so special to both the drivers and the fans because tactically it's one of those racetracks. There are certain places that you don't want to, like he says, you don't want to overtake going into Eau Rouge or or just before because you're going to get you get it's a long long yeah. There's yeah. a long long way to that next. Um, overtake and and that's you know you're basically signing your own <laughs> overtake warrant at that point so yeah it's an interesting track in that respect but what i'm liking about this is like you say it's the second half of the season but it's really not it's uh, there's only eight what eight races yeah, that's to true. go that's true. Uh, all of which um including austin uh, are very hard to predict because monza all right it's an out and out fast-paced circuit but I can guarantee you Ferrari will be strong there, but Mercedes, you know, and will pull out all the stops to win there. Um, and so, therefore, this championship is getting tighter and tighter, and the competition also, because Botas, as we said, the pressure, Verstappen, he's had some bad luck, but he's capable of winning, so is Ricardo. We have five or six guys who are capable of winning. If you think about the battles between, um, well, if you think about the battles that have come to Austin, it's the best way I can describe it, because Austin is right at the end of the season, and it really is... You you know, kind of heading to Abu Dhabi, Brazil and Austin, Mexico. These are the races that the championship's not necessarily decided, but it could be decided at one race and one breakdown, one overtake, one, you know, and it has been at Austin before now. But you think about that, it's always been a fight of two drivers at that time. And it will be again between Vettel and Hamilton. But I say, come to Austin, 
any one of those five, six drivers, and I'm thinking Verstappen, yeah. Ricardo, Botas, you know what I mean? Yeah. Could all yeah. win in Austin because in Austin. of the form. Yep, because of the, the, the way the circuit lays out. Yeah, and, and I think Haas could be right in the middle of all that. <laughs> that would be amazing. And uh, in fact, you know, that's a nice transition. Let's nah, talk about Haas F1 with, the, so with a, a seventh place finish from Grosjean. Points coming out of the break. they got to love that. So there's, they've scored points in half of the races this year. And they yep. had some consistency. Because remember last year, they came out of the gate like gangbusters. And then we had kind of a drought in the middle of the season. But this year, they've been pretty consistent. And Magnussen could have been in the points again yep. this, uh, this race. One mistake. That was all it was. And it knocked him back. And uh, But the point is, Grosjean scored a really, really good result. And look at the points. Because... I said it at the, at the end of last season because you, you said, have you got any outrageous predictions? And I said, yeah, has to be in the top five. And they're 10 points away from fifth place Williams at the moment with Toro Rosso in between. They're five points away from Toro Rosso. And, you know, that, that it makes life very interesting. And I think more importantly for Haas, because you've got to think that even though we're rah-rah about an American team, Gene Haas is no fool. He's a businessman. He went into Formula One. He'd always wanted to. But he is running a massive racing enterprise right now. And there's a lot of money going out of the door and, you know, being sucked into Formula One from out of his business, right? And, you know, there comes a time where you say, is, am I in this to win this? Am I, am I in this business of Formula One? Can I be competitive? And I think every point they get, every place they get up the board is proving both to investors, to potential, uh, to workforce, everybody, that they are in the right place. And I think they've already proven that in my mind, but I think sometimes it's wishful thinking because I mm -hmm. want an American team. But I also think that they are now a mid-player already in oh, a yeah. second year of Formula One, which is outstanding and unprecedented. Yeah, like you said, 10 points out from fifth place, that they're, as, they're absolutely a player. And, you know, I, I like the strategy, whether it is, uh, you know, whether it's a, a bit of luck, but it's probably a very intentional strategy because the one thing I was going to say is that they are, they've been very reliable. Yeah. The Haas cars, for the most part. I mean, as long as they as, don't touch the brakes. As long as they don't <laughs> use the brakes. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, they've had, they haven't had a lot of uh, races where they didn't have cars not finishing. True. So they've had, uh, they've had some problems with the brakes, but for the most part, they've been pretty reliable and you know there's always what i think of as reliable maybe they could take some chances to make the car faster uh which affects reliability you know you yeah. there's always that scale reliability versus speed and so they're that strategy that they're staying reliable if they because i think they're saying if we can play in that mid pack in these first handful of seasons that's a huge win, and I think they'll get people talking about it. I have to say, what I am really impressed with and how much credit I give to Gene or Stein, um, um, Stein ah, I've got his name for a second. Oh, now you made me forget it. Uh, Gunther Steiner. Gunther Steiner. Uh, how much credit I give to either one of those or both men is the fact that there isn't, it seems anyway, there isn't a weakness to their package. And what I mean by that is it's not like, oh, the aerodynamics aren't good. Or, I mean, yes, well, I just, I jokingly mentioned the brake problem. That's not that. That's a supplier, right? right? But And it's mostly solved right now. Yeah, generally speaking... And we saw the documentary when they came out and it was, boy, it was last minute, let's paint the car because it's going to yeah. race tomorrow. So they seem to have got people and talent throughout the ranks. And then they've picked and, and, and chosen those, that talent from, from defunct teams, from, from other teams. And it really has come together. It's a band of brothers. And I'm really impressed with the, the sort of talent pool they've got throughout. And that includes the drivers. I think there's a good balance. I think Grosjean was always the right pick um, because he's in it. And yes, he gets frustrated, but he's 
he, you know, he's got a lot to prove and he's in the right place to prove it. All right. Well, now I want to switch gears and talk about the uh, the pink team, the <laughs> the pink cars. They're not that, so pretty in pink team. Yeah. Exactly, uh, because that was. I mean, honestly, I think Match It again had that's one dead on. That was a debacle. That was. Yeah, I, I think actually the, the summation by NBC here in the United States was excellent. Um, I think they summed it up well. I think Buxton interviewed both well. Um, and I think, yeah, you're right, it's a debacle. And I thought also Offma's um, comment, uh, the, Amer- the only American <laughs> voice of reason within the team, um, was correct too, which, to, to roughly paraphrase, said this will not happen again between these two. They will not race because they cannot be trusted. Uh, what does is, he mean by that exactly? Do we, is it means one of two things. Yeah, it means, and by the way, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, it, yeah, it means it's one of two things. It means that when they come up against each other on track, we will give them team orders. Or, um, yeah, worse than that, if, you know, they could be, they could be stepping down a driver or they could be putting down some pretty heavy duty um, <laughs> rules and regulations. The thing about the problem is you've got Sergio Perez, who has been in three teams now, right? He brings a lot of money from Mexico. Yeah. And ironically, the reserve driver is also from Mexico and is third at the moment in his championship on the way up. Who is Alfonso that? Celes Jr. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, and he's a good kid. Um, and he too, I'm sure, will be well backed um, because we know that anybody from Mexico usually brings a bit of pot of gold. Um, and South American drivers, generally speaking, don't get into Formula One um, with, without good backing. We've seen it with Maldonado. We're now seeing it with Sergio. We saw it with Esteban Gutierrez. Um, and I think you know th- this is this is why per- Perez is under pressure. Uh, there's not, I think, there's something like ten points between the two in the drivers' championship. Um, but Ocon is the kid, and Ocon is 20, and also Celis Jr. has now started doing Friday drives, and the first yeah. Friday drive he did was in Perez's place. Now, the next Friday drive he did was in Ocon's place. Now, Ocon's a kid too, so yeah. it's, a, it's a really interesting situation. But I'll tell you what, Matchett summed it up perfectly when he said this. It don't matter about the drivers because the, the workforce cannot get paid. Nobody at Force exactly. India, nobody at Silverstone gets paid unless those drivers perform on the track and the Constructors' Championship is the key. And like we said, Haas is chasing them down. They were fourth. They beat Williams last year. That was their best result in years. They've got two a mile at the top with Vijay Malia continuing uh, to a certain extent. Um, they need to be stable. It's a small and team. Fun, and fundamentally, before anybody can do well, both cars have to finish, which means you can't run into each other, guys. That's the other thing that's really hurting them and making them pink face is that the car is good. <laughs> yeah, the car, the is, car good. is good. The, the performances, when they perform and they don't take each other out, um, it's a bit like the Toro Rosso situation. Um, actually a really good car. So I think, yeah, I think wiser heads should prevail and Mr. Hoffmeyer... <laughs> We should sit them down and read them the right act. Read them the right act. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have factory Cadillac race driver Michael Cooper with us. You listen to Speed City. We're here in Austin, Texas, back after these messages.
racetrack. It's where legends are born, where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. If you've ridden motorcycles in this part of the country for long, no doubt you know of Bud's Motorcycle Shop. Bud left this world a while back, but his legendary Harley service rides on. No longer is Bud's in downtown Austin, it is now Ravel's Heavy Duty, moved out by the Formula One track. You'll see all the familiar faces, so bring in your new, used, and abused, but there's no sign of shiny showroom prices. So check it out at RavelsHeavyDuty.com. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Mr. Shamojal, <laughs> did you hear a story about uh, Spa? No, I didn't. It was good. He, um, he, uh, this is good, because we were talking about what you do at the top of Eau Rouge. Yeah. Well, David did a sports car, like, 1,000 kilometers back in the day, and his teammate, I can't remember who it was, but anyway, his teammate gave him the car and said, oh, it's running a little hot, you know, as they do back in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> it's running a little hot. And David went, well, thanks very much. And, of course, it was running way too hot. He did one lap, and it literally just went bang. And he pulled off. He went up through Eau Rouge, and that's probably the fastest part of the track, and it went bang. And so he pulled over, and um, back in the day, there was still, like, you know, um, houses along the way. <laughs> so he pulled into the driveway and the guy saw him through the window, uh, opened the door for him and he made himself a cup of tea and the sat and watched the rest of the race on TV because that's what Hobbs does. <laughs> Are you serious? I did not hear that. that must yeah, be, that's good. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> All right, well, we have uh, some racing coming to Dakota this week and we have the Pirelli World Challenge yes. coming to Circuit of the Americas. Proper and, production racing. I love it. And uh, absolutely, sports car racing and one of my favorites, the Cadillac ATSV, is going be driven by our next guest, Michael Cooper. Michael, welcome to Speed City. Hey guys, thanks for having me on tonight. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show. Are you looking forward to getting down here to Austin? Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to getting down there to Austin. You know, I've heard you guys have had some weather with Harvey. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. Everyone's doing well. I don't, you know, I don't know what the weather situation's like in Austin right now, but you know, hopefully we can get down there and have a smooth weekend and uh, get some of the fans' minds off that. It's actually a good question because they're saying I mean, that we got the hurricane here has been steady, but not terribly strong. Mm. I, we've had like a six or eight inches, but nothing like Houston or the other places. But I, and they're saying it could rain all week long and maybe into the weekend, but it's probably going to let up by then. Harvey has been a wall banger. That's for sure. <laughs> um, Michael, what, um, what, what, what are your thoughts about Cota and, and given you're coming here, you know, on the crest of the wave, as it were, but what are your thoughts coming into the Cota weekend? Well, I mean, first off, I love the circuit. The, um, the facility they built there is incredible. And we, we've gotten to go there a couple of times with the B labs and we're going down there again, uh, in September, later in September for that. So it's always cool to get down there and 
drive on the track. But as far as racing on the track, it's really cool. Um, you know, it does provide some guys opportunities to explore track limits a little bit. So that's always a topic of conversation. But that was um, my introductory weekend into the GT class last year and walked away with two podiums. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting back down there. Well, the, the car you're driving is a Cadillac ATS-V, and on the road car version of that is arguably one of the best handling cars on the planet. And, I, you know, it's obviously a good platform to start with. Are you enjoying driving that car? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Both both the street car and the race car. I have an ATS-V sedan as oh. my daily driver. Hey, we were going to ask you that question, but there you go. <laughs> Finally, somebody with a decent car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Formula One drivers, they drive pickup trucks and, yeah. and minivans, but this is this is a proper race car driver's car. Yeah, so, I mean, the race car is pretty much just the road car on steroids and, you know, competing <laughs> against Ferrari and Audi, Lamborghini, McLaren, Porsche, you know, it's got to be to be able to run with those guys. You know, it's interesting you say that. We, we've been talking quite a lot about Cadillac's rise and how important it is to the mark. I mean, you're 27. I mean, to us, uh, of, a, of, a, of a generation above you, if not two, um, you know, the Cadillac was this slow kind of, yeah. you wouldn't be seen dead in a Cadillac. It's not a sporty thing. Whereas they've changed the image of Cadillac in the last decade, uh, and you're part of that change. Um, you know, is there a real sense that, that this is a huge achievement by Cadillac to change? change that image of being your dad's car <laughs> yeah i know absolutely the whole v-series line really is and i think that that's starting to trickle down and i'm starting to see it in some people but you know really that whole change in the brand is just getting underway um you know i still stop at gas stations and whatnot and people say <laughs> what is that because they don't believe that it's cadillac or You'll tell people that you race for Cadillac and they say <laughs> Cadillac races. What? Yeah, and exactly. So you have to explain it to them. And then, you know, it's starting to change that perception of people in people's minds and make them realize what a great car it actually is. You know, it's just it's just a really big secret right now. So we're doing a we're trying to do a good job getting it out there. Yeah, and I mean, you're absolutely right. The, I mean, the, the marks you mentioned, Ferrari, Porsche, you know, McLaren, it's, you know, these guys, this is what they do. This is their DNA, whereas Cadillac makes road cars and then they go racing. Um, it's, so it's a different philosophy, but it's one that's working and is proving to be very successful in the last few years. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, we saw it with the CTSV, Johnny O'Connell winning three state champions, three, three straight championships. And then, you know, the first year with the ATSV, um, you know, beating Ferrari, Porsche, McLaren, all those guys and winning another championship. Last year was a little off year for the team. Um, you know, we went into the finale with a chance at winning the championship, but we weren't quite able to accomplish that. But we're well in the thick of the title fight this year, and we're, uh, you know, hoping to take it home in the next month. Yeah, you know, I was just looking at your career, the 2015 GTS Drivers' Champion, 2012 Touring Car Drivers' Champion, and then you guys... You and Jordan Taylor uh, leading the way this year. That's a that's fantastic. What a, you got a heck of a career going. Yeah, it's all, it's all happened really really fast. Um, you know, getting the call up to Cadillac Racing after winning the 2015 uh, GTS Drivers Championship was a dream come true. So yeah, Jordan and I just got to keep the ball rolling like we have been. We've uh, had some incredible runs in the ATS VR this year, but um, you know, also that's. Been few, a lot of that's been fueled by the backing of the team and the mechanics. You know, there have been some scenarios where those guys have really had to step up 
and pull something magical off and they have like our strategic win um, at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park or um, our battery replacement during the race at VIR and ended up with a podium that day. That's awesome. Who's the competition then coming into Coda? Like you say, you guys are leading, um, but where can they, tri- who can who can trip you up possibly and who, you, who, who are you watching behind as it were in the mirrors? Well, this year in World Challenge, it's a little different than just the traditional 50-minute sprint races. Like you guys have mentioned, Jordan Taylor is my teammate. So those, that's for the Sprint X races. And there's five Sprint X weekends for the year where him and I share the car. And then there's five Sprint-only weekends where it's just me in the car for 50 minutes. So as far as the Sprint X championship goes, which is the one that concludes at Coda, Jordan and I are leading pretty handily. So as long as we have a clean weekend, um, we'll get out of there with the Sprint X Championship. But the team and my main focus is really on the overall championship. Mm-hmm. And that fight is with Patrick Long in the Porsche hmm. and Alvaro Parent in the McLaren. Um, those guys are um, Patrick's, I think, three or five points ahead of us and Alvaro's three or five behind us. So it's a really close battle and it's probably going to come down to the last race uh, at Sonoma in September. Yeah, and those are two very handy peddlers you just mentioned there. Yeah. I, I would not want to be in a fight with those two because, yeah, it's completely different manufacturers, but two great drivers who could drive any, what drive the wheels off anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. Two great drivers, two great competitors. You know, they both have a pretty storied past. Alvaro winning the championship last year, and he's, you know, had a brilliant career before that. And, you know, everyone knows who Patrick Long is, but... Yep. Um, you know, I think I'm up to the task of fighting with those guys. I'm not intimidated by them in any way. Um, Alvaro and I get on pretty well. Patrick's a pretty intense competitor, but uh, we can get pretty intense at Cadillac Racing too. Talking of being intense, Michael, what's your ambition? You're 27. Um, you know, uh, you've, like you say, you've had much success already, but it's all here in the States. Do you have harboring thoughts of international racing, um, sports cars, a Le Mans, something like that, uh, or racing in Europe generally? Um, or what, what are your ambitions at this point? You know, I've come so far in such a short period of time um, that my mind is just totally focused on what I'm doing now. I'm not looking at outside stuff at this point in time you know i have a really um come in a really good situation being with general motors and cadillac racing and you know i just like to continue that for a long time kind of like you see johnny o'connell or a lot of the other gm drivers have yeah that's a heck of a goal because look what johnny o'connell's done yeah and and it's fun of being a part of what jonathan was talking about being watching cadillac do something because, like you said, the, the the DNA of all these other guys. So that's got to be exciting. I, I like looking at your career, though. You, it's very. You see, so many guys do it the way you did it. You were in the Skip Barber Race School system, and then the, the Mazda MX-5 Cup, and so it's a pretty classic way to to come through it. But uh, but it's it's really fun to see somebody that's that's gone to where you've gone. But I want to ask you about the weekend coming up. Obviously, we've got a three day weekend here at Coda coming up. We've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But let's talk about the the weekend in general. Talk about the World Challenge Series kind of globally. Well, I mean, you know, this year, so the races at COTA will be sprint X races. So they're two-driver format. You have to make a pit stop um, somewhere between 25 and 35 minutes into the race. And the guy that starts the first race typically will finish the second race. Um, But sprint X has brought in an immense amount of talent to World Challenge. Guys like... York Bergmeister and uh, Ben Barnacote, Taylor Brothers, obviously Ricky and Jordan. 
I hate, uh, I'm a twin, so I actually hate when people just say the, the Cooper <laughs> brothers or something like that. Although my brother race. Yeah. So I can imagine those guys might hear that and go, ah, oh, why do you say that? So Ricky and Jordan Taylor. Yeah. Um, you know, you had Will Stevens, uh, former F1 driver out at Utah Motorsports Campus. There's a lot of high quality drivers that the series has brought in. No question. Uh, and in fact, that's uh, that's what's actually impressed me with PwC in the last few years, because there is a lot of choice in America, and, and so be it. I mean, I'm really glad that sports car racing is as strong in 2017, because it hasn't been perhaps, I don't know, let's say 2012, 2013, I don't think. Uh, but it now seems right now at this height, uh, and also with uh, manufacturer interest. So it's good for drivers, and it's good for, for race fans, um, that we've got world-class drivers across the board in in PwC and right through Porsche and Ferrari Challenge and everything else. Yeah, and with with PwC at least since they introduced the GT3 cars, the competition of of the GT class has just stepped up exponentially every single year since that. I think it was 2014 or 2015. Yeah. Well, Michael Cooper, I want to thank you for coming on Speed City, but I want to ask you one last question. We normally ask, what do you, what do you drive every <laughs> well, we day? We know that. But since you told us already, I'm going to ask a question related to that. What have you done to that car? Ah. I mean, these are turbocharged cars, right? So the, it's, you kick up the boost, you know, the horsepower goes through the roof. What have you done? Uh, you know Giving what? it to I his race engineer. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, my cars before that were mostly modified, but, um, you know, GM just loaned me this car, so... <laughs> I haven't really touched it, but <laughs> they did give me a CTSV for a weekend uh, last year. So that was another that was another 200 horsepower to play around with for a little while. <laughs> I must say that was pretty fun. You know, you could swap. You could do a you, you could do an ECM flash. They'd never know the difference, and just flash it back when you give it back to them. You, they never know. Kick the boost up a little bit. Michael Cooper, thank you so much for coming on Speed City. We look forward to seeing you this weekend, and the best of luck this weekend. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Michael. Look forward to seeing you. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little MotoGP. We're oh, going yeah. To, we're going to talk, and we're also going to have Brendan Leach. We had, Jonathan did an interview with him. We're going to have some of that. And so you stick with us. Listen to Speed City, live from Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Envia Gusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envia Gusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envia Gusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. Ducati Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. 
catch up on the latest headlines anytime at talk1370.com. Hi, I'm Brendan Leach from Kiwi. Hi, I'm Brendan Leach from Kiwi Motorsport, from number 86 car, and you're listening to Speed City. You'll be right. IDM. IDM has got a sponsor. He's a Kiwi. He's not a Kiwi. He's a, he's a Kiwi. No, no he's, he's a Kiwi. Kiwi. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Kiwi Racing, man. He's following in uh, Scott Dixon's footsteps. Well, he's uh, he's doing pretty damn good so far, so we'll see how if he keeps that up. Really good kid. Uh, we'll hear from him in a moment because I know you want to do MotoGP first. Yes, I do. That was pretty awesome racing today. And, man, does that Ducati look incredible. Well, yeah, and I, there's a really interesting story. I mean, if Formula One is getting interesting, so too is MotoGP, and it is opening up. It's got a long way to go, too. Um, but, wow, um, Ducati are definitely back. I mean, you know, a couple of wins. I think one of the best comments I heard was Matthew Burt saying, you know, the proof of the pudding is Dovi has won in different conditions on this bike now and different circuits. Um, it's not like, you know, we, we for the last few years we said oh yeah but Ducati in a straight line oh you know it's got so much grunt yeah it has but now it's also winning you know at places that take more than just pure grunt uh, all right again down down you know Silverstone's got a lot of long straights but it's also a lot, a lot of twisty bits too um so what I'm getting at is um you know Dovey no question about it has muscled this thing into a championship contender and he is he's not just a contender he's leading the championship uh, and a very rare mistake or a rare problem for Honda today uh, mechanically with Marquez yeah. losing the championship lead a very we could look back at the British Grand Prix the Battle of Britain as we like to call it uh, and say that this was a, a turning point and wouldn't it be sensational if uh, they could keep this lead going yeah, and Ducati win the championship win it. it would be amazing and but you're right about Honda that's a rare thing to see a Honda Blow an engine or whatever. I mean, it was a lot of smoke coming out of that, and apparently fluids too. But, but the, other, you know the other thing is, um, it, it also interests me that you see, it's almost like we forgot them. Lorenzo is becoming the forgotten man in yeah. all of this um, because he's got the same equipment and he's a two-time world champion. Um, and we we said right from the get-go, was this the right decision? I think it still is. Now the bike, it, now, now the bike is good enough and Lorenzo's got to get to grips with it yeah. because Dovey's found the way. It just shows you how good is Dovey. You know, he's, well, a lot of people yeah. have argued for many years that because when he bounced onto the scene, everybody said that this was the next Rossi. They're from a very similar part of the, of, of Italy, uh, just outside Mazzano. Uh, and so everybody said that, hey, here he comes, because Simoncelli, who we lost, obviously, is from that part of the world. On the, I'm talking that part of the world. It's, it's Italy, the Adriatic <laughs> coast, but right near Mazzano where we race. Uh, he's from Forley. Um, um, Rossi's from Tavulia and Simoncelli was from Mizano, from Cattolica. I should know it well. I was well, in hospital there. I got to ask you. Oh, that's right. I got to ask you something about Ducati. You know, I I love MotoGP, but I do not claim to be an expert in any stretch. But a couple of years ago, they had the classes in, and uh, Ducati had some advantages over the other manufacturers. Do they still have that now? As in? I don't remember, but there were some classes uh, where it was... Uh, pure manufacturers, a Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki had uh, these rules, but then because they oh, were I so see, small, yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. No, 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 it's it's absolutely everybody is exactly on the same rules now. Yeah, 
I thought that, but I was going, man, they, they're so strong that, that it was, that I thought, I'm, I'm glad they haven't. I'm glad mm. they don't because this makes it even more satisfying. What's interesting about Ducati is that it's compared both by the Italians and by the world to Ferrari because it's red, sure. it's, it's Italian, an iconic right. Italian piece of machinery and it's, and it's gorgeous. oozes sex. Uh, it really is a sexy beast. But Bologna, where they make Ducati, um, the factory, you know, the output, if you like, compared to Ferrari um, is much, much smaller. And although they have a big range of different bikes and now they've gone to like the Diavel and the Scrambler and they're sort of diversifying a little bit, Ducati is still, uh, compared to Honda and Yamaha, absolutely punching above its weight in terms of the size. And that's what makes the story so good. And that's why... Remember this, this is an attack. I mean, great that Casey Stone has done what he's done and it's great that Troy Bayliss has done what he's done for the World Superbikes and Carl Fogarty before him for Ducati. But this is an Italian. Yeah. This is an Italian on the Italian bike. So, wow, this is, I mean, this. imagine what this was like. I mean, imagine no Vettel and it was an Italian guy. Imagine if Vettel was actually Italian. I know he speaks perfect <laughs> Italian, but you get my point, right? Yeah. So to have Dovey doing what he's doing is a dream come true. Uh, and I'm thinking of uh, Julian Thomas and a few of my other good mates at Ducati, who, uh, Dottardozzi, uh, Ciabatti, this is a really, really special time for them. Um, and, you know, big respect to Lorenzo. He's taken the, the, you know, the jump there too. And like I said, there's a lot of parallels. Raikkonen and Vettel, um, yeah. you know, um, Do uh, Dovey and... Um, Lorenzo. So it's, it's, I'm really happy for Ducati. I think it makes the championship because Marquez isn't going to go away and that mistake or problem today uh, is very, very rare. Uh, Crotchlow had a good day. Valentino on his 300. How good is that kid? And I say that kid because at 38, he still acts like one and I love every minute of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, every, every race that he adds is just an astounding chapter to the story that is Valentino Rossi. I, it's more and more, you know, you know I spent some time with him, and I have to say I don't go googly about too many sportsmen. I've been very fortunate in my life to meet, you know, the likes of George Foreman and some of the great athletes of soccer and rugby and uh, many sports, but Valentino Rossi is one of the most special sportsmen I think I've ever had the, the pleasure to spend any time with, and I've ridden on a track with him. So, uh, you know, I, I, you know, it really does. That's, that's like playing basketball with, with Jordan. I mean, you know, yeah. it's not something you're going to forget quickly. I know, because I know you spent time with him at the boot camp. At the boot camp with Colin Edwards, Colin Edwards. Yeah. I know, and you've, you've known him for... Uh, I've had, yeah, professionally, I've interviewed him along the way. I've known him since he was a kid of 16, yeah, which actually makes my kind of, you know, kind of uh, following of him even more impressive because I knew him when he was no one. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And we've got a clip of Valentino Rossi. I don't know if the producer has it ready for us, but it's just from today where he, you know, he's talking about, you know, because he led the, so much of the race. I, know. And, I thought and, he had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually saw it on DVR and I, I hit Twitter and I knew he didn't win, but he almost won that thing and it was pretty exciting to watch it. But we'll play that clip when we get to it. We got it. Let's hear Valentino Rossi. I'm, I'm satisfied because um, uh, it was a great race for me. I was able to ride very well from the beginning after a great start, stay always in front. And uh, I ride at the limit without making mistakes. Uh, so I enjoy, I enjoy a lot for 70 laps. And I think it's a good way to celebrate the, the 300 uh, race in, in MotoGP, no? 
That's pretty good. I, I emailed that to the producer about 30 seconds before it went on. He's very impressive. He's faster than Valentino Rossi. <laughs> si. I like I like I like him very much. Hey, I want to jump to uh, IndyCar. We just got a couple minutes Boom. left, and I want to. We've got to get that Brendan Leach uh, clip in. Yes. But, but how about Joseph Newgarden? I mean, yeah, I mean, he's the real deal. I'm so happy. Uh, and it was actually, you know, I always follow commentary very carefully. And I thought it was a great line as he crossed the line last night for his fourth win and now leads the championship by not a great deal because it's double points at Sonoma. Right. They said, we have an, a new American star of American racing, and it's great. Because the Indy's not had that, remember? It's been dominated yeah. by the likes of Will Power, Elio Castro Neves, Scott Dixon. Um, these are all foreigners. They're yeah. not Americans. This is a young 20s American, good-looking boy, come all the way through. Love it. Yeah, with he and Alexander Rossi, there's yep. some that, that's some pretty exciting Americans in, in IndyCar right now. Yeah, it's really good. And there's more. There's not just him. There's Sage Karam. There's, you know, there's plenty more where they came from. Spencer Piggott. Yeah, yeah. Connor Daly getting his best result ever. So, you know, for, for yep. AJ Foyt. So it's, you know, it's coming up nicely, Indy. I'm re it's bubbling nicely. It's a good mixture. All right, well, let's play this clip. Jonathan, introduce this clip we got with Brendan Leach. Okay, well, Brendan's coming um, to the Circuit of the Americas on the 14th uh, to the 16th of September. He'll be racing in F4. I know him and his family. His brother races as well um, because he has been racing in the Toyota Racing Series. So, yeah, Brendan's coming. He's racing in F4, and uh, I wish him luck. He's already started winning. Here's what he had to say about coming to America. Yeah, I love it over here. It's a, it's an amazing culture, and uh, and the weather's great as well. It's a wee bit cold back in New Zealand, so it's good to get a bit of sunshine and 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 generally some some dry racing as well. Tell us about the series because you, in many ways, have driven in the a, a, a higher performing car in the Toyota racing series. So I wouldn't say you're stepping back, but you're stepping to a car that, that is probably closer to to F4, uh, to a Formula Ford. Yeah, you, you did. You did right. It's um, you know, where the car has a little bit, quite a lot less downforce and and power as well. So it's um, you know, I've really had to change my driving style and sort of relearn um, techniques from from Formula Ford days, and and it's great. You know, I've learned a lot of new techniques which I can use to progress on that through the categories, and and uh, yeah, it's learned. I've learned a heck of a lot so far this season, and. I'm just trying to absorb as much knowledge over here as I can. I'm working around some some amazing uh, amazing people, so just trying to to make the most of all the opportunities that are, that are arising at the moment. Yeah, and interesting. And based in Dallas, so we're claiming if he wins, we're claiming him for our own. <laughs> He's for a Texan. Sure. He's an absolute Texan. <laughs> all right, well, we got to wrap it up. Thanks for listening to Speed City tonight. Of course, this coming weekend at Circuit of the Americas, the Pirelli World Challenge. Get out there. Watch we'll some be sports there. cars, man. We'll be there. Listen for us on the loudspeakers, maybe, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll, be, nah, we'll be there. And uh, check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. And, of course, on iTunes. We have all of our podcasts up on iTunes. So check us out. We will talk to you next week. Stay dry, y'all.
Take talk with you anywhere with the all-new Talk 1370 app. Listen to your favorite shows, keep up with the latest breaking news, and more. Search for Talk 1370 in the App Store or find the links at talk1370.com. It's anywhere I need. Talk 1370, the right choice. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.